What's going on, everybody? Thank you so much for tuning in to Project Mindset. Season 2, this is episode 8, and I'm really inspired about this one. I don't think I've ever said I was not inspired about any of them, but you know the the difference with this podcast, uh, this interview that we had was just the industry that the individual came from, um, ev- everything about it, how he was raised, the the foundation that his family uh, set for him, and how that impacted his life is really what I was most inspired about as a father. Just to give you a little bit of background, Casey Curry is an absolute legend in dirt-related racing. Uh, That's how I would put it as somebody who has no idea about any of these things. He's fresh off his his second win from the Baja 1000, which is insane to win that thing two times in a row. He's getting ready to compete in Dakar. He's sponsored by Monster Energy, and the dude is just absolutely killing it in this industry. And uh, it was really cool to, to, to dive in and hear about how everything started off for him and the challenges that he went through when he really had to make the decision of, all right, Am I gonna? Am I gonna really do this? Am I really gonna go pro? So, we'll dive into that in the middle of the interview. I hope you guys uh, get a lot out of this one, and just want to encourage everybody to to take this time. If you're listening to this right when we're dropping it, which is in December, um, you really take take this time to do two things. Number one, get present to how lucky, how fortunate, how grateful you are to be where you currently are no matter where you're at in your life you might be at the top of the top the pinnacle of your career or it could be the exact opposite you might be at the very bottom Uh, you might just be in in the learning stage wherever you're at what I strongly believe is that when we can tap into a level of gratitude and appreciation for what we have for where we are that gives us the opportunity to think about well what's next and to think about what's next from a place of 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 positivity versus a place of lack when you realize that what you've got going on right now is already blessed that's only going to make you uh, so much more prepared to think about what's next so that's the first thing again i encourage you to, to 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 get real with what's awesome and number two think about your goals what, what's what's important for you about 2019? What are you aiming for? What's it all about? And I always recommend starting with the seven equities. Mind, body, soul, family, friends, business, and money. If you've listened to anything else that I've done, the, the seven equities is always something that I encourage people to tap into. Your mindset, what are you doing to enhance your your mind, your education, how you think, Um, your spirituality, what are you doing to get tapped in, tuned in to your creator, that higher power, how are you spending time in that equity? Your physical being, what are you you doing to improve your health, your well-being, your strength, your energy, right? Those first three, then going into family. What kind of experiences would you like to create with your family in 2019? What, what relationships would you really like to enhance and improve? Is 2019 the year you're going to be starting your own family? Then going into social. 
your circle of friends? What are the experiences you'd like to have socially? Those first five, you know, man, that, that's where the money's at. That's where you want to ball out mentally, physically, spiritually with your family, with your, your tight network of friends. Get rich there before you, you, you're working on getting rich at work. Then take a look at your career goals and your money goals. And what I would really encourage you guys to do is to play ridiculously big. Come from the place of this. If I can have it anyway, what does it look like? It's so easy to get caught up in a space where we're just setting goals from a space of survival. You know, like, well, based on what I did last year, forget about what you did last year. Or, well, based on where I'm at today, forget about where you're at today. Go to the future. Imagine it's the countdown going into 2020. And work your way backwards. If you could have it anyway, what does it look, feel, taste like? Write that down. Remember, you're the producer for your life's movie. You got to be able to write a script that inspires you out of your mind. So what are you grateful for and what are your goals? And continue listening to things that uplift you, that inspire you, that move you. And I hope Project Mindset is one of those things. And if you've been getting a lot out of this, screenshot it. Write, write, on, the, write on the post on Insta what's really grabbing you with the content that we're dropping. And make sure you tag me in that. I'll repost it. It's a great way for us to stay connected. And remember, to teach is to learn twice. So without further ado, let's dive in to the man, the myth, my dude, Casey Curry. Man, let's do this. <laughs> Project Mindset, episode eight, season two. I got the legendary Casey Curry in the building. Well, thank you. Dude, Excited. thanks for being here, man. Dude, not, nice little drive down the beach. Yeah. Can't really complain. We're here at beautiful San Clemente. And uh, this one, I'm really excited to to have you on the show because it's it's different than what we're we're used to hearing. It's a t- completely different industry. Uh, give the give the listeners a little bit of your, your your background. Yeah, so I'm Casey Curry. I race basically everything in the dirt: motorsport, four wheel. I uh, used to race motorcycles, supermoto. Um, just won the Baja 1000 two weeks ago. Uh, I'm heading to Dakar for the Dakar Challenge in January. Uh, I've raced in Africa. I've raced in Peru. I've raced in Portugal. I've raced in Spain. We've gone to Italy. Dude, uh, that's we, insane. It's, we've done literally everything <laughs> everywhere. So I'm in have a very. Ever, have you ever added up all your races? I have no, not recently. Because uh, I read that you actually started motorcycle riding when you were five years old. Yeah, so we do, uh, racing dirt bikes. Like my parents and my even my grandparents have always been enthusiasts of motorcycles and off road. So like, I mean, I was born into it, and then that's 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 insane. So because I mean, for your parents and you said your grandparents, right? Like, yep. how did that begin for them? I think my grandpa just had the passion of motorsports. I mean, he was a military guy. You okay. know, did the military thing, got out and. Uh, he worked for a company, and on the side, he was he was a hustler like myself right. and my dad. And you know, his biggest thing was putting food on the table, right? right. And he's like, I want to go to work during the day, but at night, dude, if I can supply these guys uh, products, like I'll go out and put my boys, you know, my dad and my uncles, to work at 14, 15 years old, wow. and we'll, we'll do some things on the side. And like their it, what was their hobby on the side then 
this company that I was working for needed the same type of product for golf carts and industrial golf carts. Interesting. And uh, he did it on the side as he was already doing it for hot rods and muscle right. cars and Jeeps and trucks. So and Gramps was making like um, like like car enhancement products? Absolutely. Or? So for, we basically are four nine-inch rear ends. So what came in, in you know, every Ford you know, Mustang back in the 60s, that style rear end was the most easy to refurbish, to put into different applications. So not only is it easy to put into a, a muscle car hot rod, but these golf carts, right? Where, hey, I got a, we at the airport, man, this golf cart yeah. gets overloaded with parts and it needs to be driven across the airport a thousand times a right. day. And when it breaks, we need to be able to pull it apart, fix it within an hour wow. and have it back on the road. So my grandpa was making those parts on the side for the company making the golf carts. That's insane. And that's like 1950s, 1960s, Ab I imagine, absolutely. right? So the company's been in business for roughly 60 years. And what's it called? Curry Enterprises. Wow, that's amazing. Like, because our, our, we're about the same age. You're mid-30s. Yep. right? I'm mid-30s. And my, like, my grandfather was born in 1923. And so they, they, uh, spent, spending your basically teens, early teens, going through the Great Depression. Absolutely. Right? Which means in the 1950s, they're 18, 19, 20. And so... Is that around the time, 1950s, when Gramps started coming up with these, yeah, these so hustles? I, I basically say he was born in 29. Okay. And then I think it was uh, 59 is when the business, you know, then when he decided to actually be like, man, I need to not work anymore for another company, but really start getting into doing his right. own program. And, uh, but exactly that, like, you know, he grew up with nothing, right? He, he there was no family money. There nah. was nothing. He he did the full hustle. He did whatever it take. And and the crazy thing is everything he did. He didn't, you know. You listen to all these people going like, I, the plan was to build it, and right. we're gonna sell it, you know. Yeah. And here it is, six years later, and it's like, it's a family-run business. You know, I'm actually not part of it. I'm separate, but I'm I'm next door to my parents' yeah. business, or you know, I'm next door to the family business and uh, doing my own deal, but. I'm very passionate about everything that they have going on, but everything they've done, it's about, you know, it's now it's more about putting food, not only on their table, but my dad is super passionate and my uncles are so passionate about feeding the families that work for them, right? That's amazing, we're, man. We're, we're on their third generation of employees. Wow. So we have multiple families that are on the third generation working for the company and, and it's all about making their lives better, not just ours, but making, you know, the employees' lives better than what could be. And so now Curry Enterprises, the family business, yep. how big is that operation? So that business is, we're, on, we're basically 60,000 square feet. We got about 75 employees. Uh, and right now we're bursting at the seams. So that's insane, we're, we're in the whole transition stage of right now, my dad and uncles are really in the position of what's next. And right? just aftermarket, different type of car. So basically products. muscle cars, you want to put some, you're going to put 700 horsepower yeah. in a Ford Mustang into Chevelle, Camaro. <laughs> you know, the rear end is the first thing that needs yeah. to get upgraded. So we make that. Um, Jeeps, uh, like you see my Jeep yep. out front, we make all the suspension. We make the housings. Um, we do a lot of Jeep performance. We also do a lot of military stuff. So, you know, the military would be like, hey, we're going to go overseas and we got some gnarly project and it weighs too much for the normal vehicle. And, you know, we need to make it tough and rugged and, you know, Curry will be, okay, we can figure out a way to make something stronger and better, but lighter and more affordable. And we do a lot of uh, military stuff as well. So it's cool. We get to see a lot of different uh, different applications, 
uh, what, you know, once again, started as a side yeah. project. And then, you know, myself, I race full time. Uh, I have, you know, I do my own bumpers. I do my own Jeep stuff and I run multiple other businesses, but you know, passion of mine is what my dad and my uncles and right. my, my grandpa started. And like, dude, it's just hard to get away from it when it, it's something that I've been around my whole life. Yeah. It's, it, it, it trips me out. Like when you rolled up and for, for, for those of you just listening, make sure you go to my Instagram or check out the YouTube because uh, Casey rolled up in pretty much the sickest Jeep <laughs> I've ever seen. And then all over it, it says CRC. Yeah. I had no idea. I knew you were like a, a, a legendary racer. I didn't realize that you also fabricated all these products. That, that whole Jeep that you have, you sell those, Absolutely. every single part on it. Yeah, so one same situation that we're talking about, like media is growing, right? And social media is growing and racing is going good. And you, know, you got people asking you like for certain parts of the vehicle. And you're like, man, I could build that better. Yeah. And I want to learn how to do it. And so a side project of mine was getting one of my guys that's a race guy to go and build Jeep parts and accessories. And now we don't sell really anything to like these big companies. But man, people hit me up on Instagram, on Twitter, on Facebook. And oh, I want to build something just like that. Sure, no problem. I got everything you need, right? That's like my vibe is like. I only do it through social media at this point. That's like, really cool. You know, it's one of those things that it's more so of giving back, right? right? Like I have a passion for, for great things. I don't want to be around junk and I don't want to be around things that are, Oh, here, I'll pay you money to promote my junk. Exactly. It's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. If, yeah. If it's going to be on my vehicles, it's going to be the best. And you know, one of my biggest things is like somebody hits me up on Instagram. I don't want to have to lie to anyone to sit there and sell junk. I want to sell absolutely the best. That's products. rad, dude. That's awesome, man. And I think it, it, it just goes back to your, your, your DNA, right? And looking at this whole story of, okay, Gramps was the, 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 the original entrepreneur of the fam. He Absolutely. gets this all going. And then that pours into to your dad. Your dad was part of yep. the, the, and was your dad into uh, racing as well? My dad was into racing. So he grew up, what's crazy is back in uh, whatever it was, the 70s when he, or 60s or when he was in high school, uh, 70s when he was in, in high school they had a high school motocross team no so my way dad, he went to Esperanza High School right what? here in Yorba Linda and he actually lettered he has a letterman's jacket in dirt biking that's so sick. he was the captain of the team and I mean his story is pretty crazy him and my mom high school sweetheart okay. still married and uh, he was in the situation just getting out of high school and he was like that motorcycle rider that was like okay you can go pro try to make it be the one out of a hundred thousand to, to be a pro motorcycle rider. But I mean, he had the talent. Yeah. And, uh, at the same time, my grandpa was going like, you know, I think it's time that you guys take over this, this business that at the time was only 15 employees right. and four of them were my, you know, three of them were my uncles and my dad. Yeah. It really wasn't that big, but it was working. And so this was, uh, this was in, this your, your was in pops the, was in high school still? It was or? right out of high school. Okay. So my dad, my dad, funny story, the only job he ever had uh, outside of Curry was working for the company that my grandpa was working for no out way. of the military. He was an engineer. He went, he went and dabbled in engineering and my dad worked for a company called Taylor Dunn Golf Carts. Right. Uh, he worked for there for three years. So it was the only job he's ever had outside wow. of uh, Curry. But yeah, so I think he went two or three years there, dabbled there and then full time at Curry. Okay. 
Okay. So, yeah, basically. But from there, like. And so did your dad take that advice of like, okay, I could go, I guess, what's it called? Turning pro? Yeah, pro. And he basically made it the decision. Like he had my, his high school sweetheart and she, who also worked for Kerr Enterprises yeah. under my grandma. Uh, my mom's never had another job wow. like, outside of, you know, Curry. And uh, Gramps really blazed the path. Oh, dude. He, I mean, the biggest thing is now, look, I mean, 35 years later, you go like, you always see it growing up. Like yeah. it was just to put food on the table. Right. right. Like, and to have fun doing it. Like, you know, we're all about going to the desert. It's all about being a part of this family. Like Curry's about being a family. We're about jeeping. Right. And jeeping is about being with your family. That's you go really with your cool. Family, your friends, when you go to the desert, Oh, I'm going to take my wife. I'm taking my boys. I'm going to take my girls. I'm going to, you know, I have friends in the neighborhood. They want to go travel and, camp and do everything as a group as a, I mean as a family yeah that is like really what our whole business is about is about family and you know like yeah well, so there's like, the foundation oh, right dude, there's the foundation of family and the 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 importance of having that as one of your core values but then when you layer on top of it being in the 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 race industry they that adds this layer of a competitive nature oh, so I, you mix those two things into business and now you're a force to be reckoned with. Absolutely. And it and it's worked. I mean, Curry's been a, like one of the top in the industry, I mean, the whole time. And, and their innovation is always growing. And, and everything that they've done is always about hustle, right? We're in an aftermarket world. So when the yeah. economy goes up and down, I mean, for us or for Curry Enterprise, one of my dad's things that he always likes to talk about is when the economy hit the hardest, whatever, 10 years ago. We never really let go of any employees. No employees got wow. let go because of it. And, you know, once again, it's that family thing. We feel that we put ourselves in the situation that when the times are tough, we want to keep our people and our core the same. We, we adjust and we've, we went into new markets and, and tried to play uh, in different areas. But our biggest thing, once again, was trying to keep that, the values of like, look, we're not going to try to go and build this empire when the economy is great, but when it tanks, you're not, you're going to get yeah. fired and you're going to get fired. And right. we're gonna, you know, it's easy for us to keep making a living, but don't anyone around here plan on having a job. You know, we've never done that. And you know, like even on my companies, like, you know, when I started racing, everything is about keeping the people around you and having that vibe of like only being the best and that mindset of, you know, always being, you know, on the, the forefront of like, how do you be the best all the time? Yeah. Right. And like, we're always looking for that. We're always hungry for what, what is out there that's going to better ourselves in a better economy or worse. Wow, that's amazing, man. And so did you see that, that competitive nature really right out of the gate? I mean, you're five years old. You're, 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 you go right into dirt bike riding, <laughs> which is insane, right? And what? so when was your – do you remember your first – dirt bike race oh no i mean i raced a lot when we were five years old till i mean i was 15 and you have siblings i got a brother okay so he he didn't do as much racing but he actually works for me full time now but when we were young like it was one of those deals we raced a lot but at the same time my dad was one of those guys like and i love him for it now he'd be like here's the deal we can race and take it serious and i'll get you the absolute best you want yeah but at the same time if this happens we have a cabin in Big Bear. You're not going to get to go snowboarding this winter. You're going to be racing because if you sign up and commit and I spend the money to be the best. So when I was young, I was like, whoa, 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 I love racing. Yeah. But I'm like, at the same time, I like snowboarding. Right. And I like going down to the beach and I love just riding dirt bikes with my friends in the hills. And like, 
So my dad was always one of those guys like, then if you want to do that, I'll get you the equipment you need to go have the best time, but we're not going to go and commit and be gnarly racing. It wasn't actually until I was 21 years old in college. Uh, I wrote a business plan for a dirt bike shop, like for my, uh, my junior year in college at yeah. Cal State Fullerton. I wrote a business plan. Like I was going to school just to be business major, like marketing major, uh, wasn't but you had racing. ran some races at this but, point a lot. I, uh, I read I was at 16. Racing. Yeah, so I was racing for fun. Okay. Now I was doing all this stuff for fun with my dad and my When uncles. was your first major race that you won? 20, when I was 20, 22, 22 years old is when I basically made a decision that like, I want to do this for a living. That's when I turned it on. So I had done some big races um, for some friends and we won some big accomplishments. Right. But when it like, when I was 23 years old is when I was like, I'm, this is it. Quit going snowboarding. I literally snowboarded my whole life when I was 23 years old. So you kind of made a little bit of the opposite oh. decision that Pops made, right? Because Pops said you could have said, okay, family business. Ab Pops said family business, yep. right? Versus going pro. But you at 22, 23 said, you know what? No, I'm going to go pro. pro. Yeah. So at 23, I did everything that even, I mean, now it's funny because I had my grandpa pass away, but he, he had like put things in line that mm. like now I'm 35, he passed away a couple years ago, but you still look going like that. It's like, he knew something that my dad and my uncles can't even tell me. Like my dad and what is was like, that? What I did mean, he like, know? for example, is like, uh, I do it. I'm very fortunate. My grandpa helped me invest in my first building. Okay. He bought it, helped, put a huge contract together saying, here's the deal. You mess up. I'm taking it back. Right. Here, it's, it's in black and wow. white. You, and how old but, are you when, when, uh, when that went down? I know it's only like five years ago. Okay. He, but he, I mean, I first, at the point I was renting and yeah. I had buildings and you know, you're moving your business and you're growing right. and you're trying to learn all this stuff. And dude, like one thing he did, like, I mean, he literally put something in paper where I bought a building. It's, it'll be yours. You pay it. It's You're going to pay it off. But here's the situation. Economy gets in a place right now. It's better than ever. Right. A building next door to mine. I was renting for 30 cents a square foot. Yeah. It just re-rented for a dollar two a square foot. Wow. You're going, if it wasn't for him putting me yeah. in a situation that I could own, I wouldn't even be able to afford to do what I'm doing being next door. So my building is two buildings down from Curry mm. Enterprises. So I'm on the same street as my dad. So it, it really sounds like there is a, a, a layer of, of mentorship oh. that started from your gramps telling your dad Right. Hey, which, what are you going to do? And then your dad telling you, listen, if you're going to do this, this is what we're going to do. Yeah. If we're, you know, it's, uh, dude, hundred percent like yeah. that. You look at it now, like the older I get, I'm like, you know, I'm like, man, it's one of the, it's one of those things you're, you're like, dude, I just want to get on the phone with my grandpa right now and be like, dude, did you know, like these guidance, these things that you were doing yeah. in your life? Like, you know, when I was born, he retired. Okay. That's when, when I literally the year I was born, I was, I'm the oldest grandchild. Uh, he retired and became a full-time grandpa. Wow. He had a bunch of hobbies. He built badass race cars. Yeah. He built a he built when uh, when I was ten years old. He built the fastest street-driven hot rod in the world. What? He drove from <laughs> Anaheim Hills to Bonneville. He drove to Bonneville, put street tires on it, or uh, these crazy uh, salt flat tires. Drove two hundred and five miles an hour. Wow. After all kinds of uh, like. Diversity. I mean, things went wrong, but he did it, conquered it, drove the car back home. Is that in the Guinness book? Dude, it, I don't even know if they did it in the Guinness. Yeah. I don't know. Like, it, he but did it for the passion. 205 miles an hour in a car that he drove from Anaheim Hills to Utah and back.
That's crazy. Insane. So like, and then on that, like he had so many different unique stories with that, right? Like a guy at the time that was a, a, a car drawer who worked for a, comp, a company called Boyd Coddington. Okay. My grandpa owned the building that Boyd Coddington was in. Well, this guy named Chip Foose, who was yeah. just a car designer working for Boyd designed my grandpa's car no before way. he was like this chip foos gnarly guy right. and then another crazy story my grandpa went to a fabricator to have the cage built the fabricator had an apprentice the apprentice was uh jane um jesse james wow now jesse james yeah. like, we're talking 20 years ago wow. so these were back when these guys were hustling like yeah. everybody else grinding and now you're looking at like Dude, Jesse James built the roll cage yeah. for my grandpa's car. That's like, insane. But like, and I mean, all that goes back to his hustle, right? And his mentorship as far as like things that he did. It's one of those things you wish you get on the phone call me like. Well, and, and, and seeking out the best. Absolutely. You know, I imagine why he connected with Foos, why he connected with Jesse James is because he was, there were probably other people, but he, he was looking for the best. the best. Absolutely. Yeah. So wow. no, he, dude, he did a great thing. And I mean, very blessed, like, in, in my situation, like, I've never been given anything. Uh, I've worked for everything I've yeah. ever had. The family business, we have no part of it at all. Like, I'm passionate about it. I love everything that is a, a, a around it. But at this time in my life, like, I'm 100% disconnected as far as I have my own, you know, goals that basically when I was 22 years old, you know, first thing my dad says, look, if you're going to go racing, I'm sorry, my own, you know, his biggest words uh, of wisdom were basically, if you're going to go racing, it's a job if you're going to work on your own cars. Mm. Like, what does that mean? If you have people working for you on the race cars, it's a career. Okay. So one of those things like, okay, well, what, you know, what I really, that means like I'll be in the, I'm going to be in the garage working late. And, yeah. You know, and then it's like, okay, well I'll hire a mechanic and then I'm going to make less. But then all of a sudden it's like, well, wait, I'm making less right now. But because now I'm not working in the garage, I'm able to be on the phone, be on the internet, going out to events. And right. Right now all of a sudden I'm out like, man, I can go, I can be out anywhere during the week because I got guys at the shop working right yeah. now. It's like. Dude, if that didn't get instilled in me, then I'd be the guy working in my shop. So what'd you do with that? Pop says if you're if you're gonna race and you're working on your own cars, it's a job. That's right. If you're if you're just racing and you have people working on your cars for you, it's a career. And what did you do with that? So right, like my thing was so I. It's crazy how things work. But at that point, basically, I had a I had a small motorcycle shop for fun that I you know basically in college when I, I wrote a business plan started a motorcycle shop yeah super successful and when I started racing the motorcycle shop was paying for it well okay. my dad was like dude you need to make a decision you're killing it on this dirt bike shop killing it yeah st doing this and like at the same time you're racing losing money spend all this money he's like you make the decision so at that point I was like you know what done like at that moment all right psst. Moving back home, my dad had a big garage at his house. I sold the dirt bike shop, wow. sold everything, gave everything up, moved back into my dad's garage. You know, now I'm I'm living at home. Got yeah. my I'm in my dad's garage. You know, here I am, 25 years old, living at home in my dad's garage. I have mechanics working for me at my house. And you what know, kind of races were you doing at so this time? This, at this time, we we're racing short course, like stadium trucks. So okay. basically, we were racing stadium trucks all over the country. And did you have sponsors? So I had or? sponsors. At the time, I had sponsors. Um, I did not have Monster, but I had sponsors. And we were getting, I was getting financially backed. I mean, there's so, there's so many it's stories. it's an expensive but, sport, oh, dude, right? it's expensive. You're like, and you learn, like, my big thing is, like, where I'm at today, looking back, is, like, 
I feel that the reason I'm successful is I took opportunity where a lot of people didn't look at opportunity. Uh, like myself, my dad owns Career Enterprises. So like one of my secrets now looking back, I mean, now it's like one of those things you don't mind telling, but my dad owned Career Enterprises. Well, I'd go after companies be like, all right, well, why don't you, you know, it's easier for somebody to give product than money. Right. So I'd go to these companies and be like, hey, give me 50 grand in product. And yeah. Like, what are you going to do with 50 grand in product? I'm like, no, no, I'm going to give that product to my dad. Yeah. My dad can write me a check. He was going to buy that product no right. matter what. <laughs> he was going to buy it. My dad yeah. could do do that, write me a check for 50 grand. Right. I take that and now I'm running business. Ah, right? So now I'm putting that company's yeah. logo on my car. He's pumped. My dad didn't have to spend any money. Right. I'm over here getting a check and yeah. now I'm creating business through opportunity that no one re in reality, no, you know, this company didn't have to write a check. Wow. Right. That was pretty entrepreneurial thinking. Oh, of and you. I started that doing, that was what I started doing young was like twisting these, you know, sponsorships and they're like, Hey, don't just give me money. Like, right. and at the same time, by that company giving the product to my dad, now they're going, well, now we know for a fact that Curry is using our products. Right. So it helped it. And like, you know, there's relationships there that like, it was very easy to start doing that, manipulating and different things. And we did that all over the place. And like, my big thing is like, it's relationships. Yeah. Come to find out 10 years later, man, these guys have been at these companies just as long and. A lot of them are just like you and I, they want to get out and live. And so my thing now is like, I can take these people that are normal, you know, normal jobs in the office nine to five, dude, come out. I got a Jeep you can drive. Right. I got a UTV you can drive. Come camping with us. Come racing with me. Be on my race team. You know, live this lifestyle that we all want to live that, you know, it is a grind on the day to day for myself. But do we get by the time we get to the event, it's like the glory time, right? Show up to an event. There's yeah. people everywhere, semis and race trucks and mechanics. And here's your team apparel. And, right. you know, I'm going to dial you in. And like, they all want to be a part of that. And like, my big thing is like showing everyone a great time. That's awesome, dude. So, so when did this start to... When did it click, right? Because I imagine that you had a you you had a dirt bike shop that was yeah. killing it. 22, 23 years old, you make the decision of, right, I got to close all this. I got, I'm going in. I'm going pro. Did you have any doubt in your mind that you would be able to have, like your dad said, a career as a racer? Yeah, uh, like I would say the first, so 2005 is when I shut down my motorcycle shop. In 2007, like, 2006, I, I raced all year and it was good. In 2007, I raced all year and it was good. In 2008, we were like, man, times are getting tough. The economy's tough and we're really just struggling on money. And oh, like, I'm like, all right, 08 was like it. Like, we're done. Like, it, it was literally race to race. Like, all right, I'm going to hang it up. Like, yeah. I, I, at that time. Because your, your financial means are coming from sponsorship. Sponsorships. Yeah, and like these, and from winnings and from, uh, you know, we had the things going, I, you know, me, I hustled all the time. And like, at the time we had Nissan was one of my sponsors and in 08, like they pulled out and went to tennis. Wow. It's crazy. And like, um, all this was going on in 08, we were done. Like I was yeah. out of money, like, dude, it's all over within the, one of those crazy stories in 2008, we were like down this, I think it was 08 or 09. This is it. Times are done. We're like, we're going to this race. I'll never forget. We're going to Texas. I'm racing. We're down to nothing. Like I have a mechanic. It's middle of the year, and this is it. We're after this race. We're going home with everything. I'm like, and were you just saying, all right, I'm gonna just work for the family biz? I don't even know if I was gonna do that at that time. I was just to the point where like, 
at, the economy wasn't that good. It wasn't like yeah, it was jacked. It, it, the economy was wasn't. Tough. It wasn't like Curry at the time was booming and you know things are record months. It's like we're making it by, but there's it's not like this blessing of like money's coming from all over. It's like no, the times are tough. Like yeah. Curry's doing whatever they can to keep the doors open without you know we didn't let go of employees. So like. We're doing everything we can to not just shrink up and, you know what I mean? So that's almost not even, it wasn't even necessarily no. an option. Oh, it wasn't, not even an option. So at the time, like, it was just one of those situations. We'll figure it out. You know, we're going to go all in until the next step. And, like, not going to lie, went to Texas. I ended up winning. Uh, had a, uh, dude, I got emotional on the podium. Had a great speech. And this is it. This is that scene in the Casey Curry movie where we don't know what's going to happen, but we know something's got to change. The economy's shifting. He's out there racing with the crew in Texas with a fully black car, no sponsors, and the pressure's on. And like the saying goes, no pressure, no diamonds. Little do they know that there's something waiting for them just around the corner that's about to be life-changing. Like the saying goes, the darkest part of the night is right before the sun comes up. So let's dive back into the story and see what happens to Casey in this moment where it was make it or break it. At the time, Monster Energy was the title sponsor of the organization that I was racing for. And I had no sponsors in the truck. It was all black. I mean, this was it. Like, what? We, were, we were going. We were going <laughs> the, to the this Texas event. This Texas event, all black truck because only reason it was all black, no sponsors. And I wanted to, re- I didn't want to put anything on the door that like made anyone think that I had a sponsor. Right. I, I'm going here going like, look, for sale, <laughs> take whatever you want. <laughs> That's and, insane. Uh, right? That's and like, amazing. seriously, so you uh, go, race no on sponsors. Sunday. You're like Ricky Bobby. Oh, dude, this is it, dude. For sale. <laughs> Went and uh, on Monday, got a phone call and they're like, dude, we love what you're doing. We know you've been trying to reach out to Monster and like, it's just timing wasn't right. But like the bosses want to sign you. Oh, no way. There it is. Like the phone call that changed my life forever. Wow. So I've been called, you know, you're trying to do whatever you can to like get these companies. And here I go, I get a phone call that Monster wants to, to, to work a deal. Yeah. And like from that moment, I mean, that was it. Boom. Light switch. Signed a in deal. 08. Signed, yeah, signed a deal in 08, right then and there, 08, 09. Yeah, it's been 10 years right now. Wow, that's so amazing. Signed a deal and then went, yeah, signed a deal in 08. Signed a deal and from then grew. Like it grew to the point where that stabilized everything I was doing racing, hire mechanics, get the team so going. So were you, was that a goal for you to have a sponsor like Monster? Dude, I, I think the goal for any racer is to have that. That energy drink sponsor, right? Yeah. And super cross. That's it. And, oh, to have that sponsor, right? And now you gotta now, keep it. I'm big on goal setting and affirmations and things like that. You went to the race, the you, you, the, the truck was completely black, yeah. right? Did you did you write did you have any processes of writing goals or was it just in your mind? Did you tell people that you wanted to attract an energy drink sponsor or why do you think I, it happened? I think at the time it happened the for myself is being in the right place at the right time, mm-hmm. having the right opportunities put themselves in front of me. Um, obviously everything going on, even looking back now, you know, like look, I'm a clean cut. I'm 35 years old. I look younger than I am. Um, I don't have tattoos. I don't, I'm not a big 
F you, I, you know, I yeah. hardly drink alcohol. And like, I really back then I was, I had my first beer when I was 25 years old. Wow. Like I didn't, I mean, I drank alcohol and stuff like that, but I, I was one of those, I just was clean cut. And like, but I feel that like I voiced myself, right? I, yeah. I'm, I'm all about voicing my own opinion. What was it in that speech? Do you think your I, speech had something to do with them calling Passion. hundred percent passion. Yeah. Uh, looking at it now, you know, you get emotional and you're like, dude, it's one of those things. It was my, it was my first Bit, to me, it was that that first one that like I'd won all these other events and I've done I've won all over the place at you know in smaller events. Yeah. But like here I am, professional. Like I beat the best of the best. Yeah. And I mean it was in like. Well, what I really hear you saying too in like how you attracted the monster opportunity is that you did everything the right way. You're like, look, I'm, I'm, I'm clean cut. Yeah. No tattoos. I'm not out here raging. I'm not saying yeah. f you to anybody. Like I did everything I'm supposed to do. And I just worked my ass off. Yeah. And you got it. I got it. But it, it wasn't, it's, it, it was one of those things. It was hard. Every, you know, there was two years of calling monster and nothing happened. Wow. Oh yeah. Like it, it's one of those hustles that, you know, just like you set goals, right. And you try to do everything in your power. So that way, if that person can come to you and say, are you the man for the job? It's not like, you're going like, well, let me clean my act up. Let me get you knew. I, you know, I, to be in that situation, it's a one shot opportunity. Wow. And I, I kind of live my life like that. I live my life is like, it is, you only have one shot. And if you blow that one shot, you're not because in off road, we don't have, it's not like the talents of a skateboard or the talents of a, even a motorcycle. Like, Dude, to ride a skateboard is, I mean, here's the deal. Like, the, the I mean, I'd say, let's get 10,000 people in the United States right. can afford an off-road car. Yeah. Right? Okay. A million people can afford a skateboard? Yeah. So, so now all of a sudden you- Five wanna, million. Yeah. Yeah. Way more. I mean, not even in the same park. So you think the skill set to ride a skateboard, insane. Right. right? And now, so that, like, now those- to me, like people can live a little bit more how they want to live. And when sure. money comes, the first, I mean, it happens in motorcycle riding too, is when they get money for the first time, their natural ability can get them to a lot of places where me, that I need money to make my race truck go fast. Right. If it, if myself, I can be 90%, but boy, if that race truck isn't 100%, you're not going to do good. So you have to be ready for that opportunity. It's commitment. 100%. Yeah. So and that, let me ask you, have you... Besides the, the, the having the, 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 man, it sounds like my grandpa and your grandpa could, 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 could have changed the world <laughs> together. Yeah, you know, absolutely. my grandpa was, he, he passed away just recently and, and hearing you speak about yours, it's like, man, we're so fortunate to have these people who really laid the foundation, right? Yeah. I'm curious for you if there was anything else like, that really it, it made you who you were. Like books, were you into seminars? Were you into any personal development? Or was yeah. it just grands yeah. and dad just being uh, straight yeah. up? Yeah, honestly, legends? I'd say the last three years of my life is more about everything you're saying now. Now I'm all about seminars, podcasts. Yeah. You know, re, you know, getting into reading more of these books about success and and mindsets and how to create positivity. And so and, you and, got to a. Pretty so every, high level with just I, I would your say, natural surroundings. Uh, hundred, yeah, I would say the biggest thing I like myself is my dad and my uncles and, and my grandpa are harder on me than the rest of the world. And when I the way I explain that is 
I have to pitch every idea that I want to do. My whole life, I've had to pitch every idea I've ever wanted to do to them, right? And to me, to get them to say yes yeah. was harder than going to Monster <laughs> or going to like a, a tire company or a wheel company because I learned at a young age, like, Dad, I want a new bike. Why do you want a new bike? Wow. Um, because the other kids have it. Okay, yeah. well, that doesn't make any sense, right? Well, and it's funny because the older I get, the more I study, like, why they do that. Now it's like, Dad, I want to get a new bike. You know, when, now when I was 16 years old, Dad, I want a car. Okay, why do you deserve a car? Yeah. Like, all right, well, I'm getting good grades. I've never gonna, you know, I've never had anything. Like, I had a list of things that were accomplishments and hey I've you know I've really made sure that I've done a good job here and you know I really don't get in trouble I haven't done this I didn't do this I haven't done this and like I've done all these things can I get a car yeah it makes sense for you to get a car okay like dude so many of our listeners right are our dads or parents what what would you say are some of those core principles that your parents laid into you I would say the biggest thing is, I mean, I kind of, I, I over-exaggerated by saying you only get one shot, but like my parents were the kind of parents and to my, just like we said earlier about racing, look, if you're going to do it, we're going all in. Yeah. If you want to commit, we're going to commit our outside. If you're miserable at the end, that's fine. We're okay with you being miserable, but if you're going to commit to something, you're committing till the end. Yeah. That's where I think I learned my commitment issues or com I learned that how to react with commitment that if I'm going to go in, I'm going to the end. Even if you don't like even it. If I, even if it's absolutely miserable, you hate the people around you, hate what you're doing. Yeah. I hate everything. You're going to do it to the end. And, and I feel what's the, the end? Oh, dude. You know, the end is like, well, if it was playing soccer, it's right. that last game. You know, you can't, there's no going and buying the, the jersey with your name on it yeah. and cleats and quitting on the second so game. So commitment. So I'd, I'd say commitment would be the big thing. Uh, the other thing is, uh, my dad and them were leaning on us in, in the way that, all right, hey, you know, we have a cabin in Big Bear. You can go with your friends at 16 years old by yourself. Here's the situation. One mistake. One. Oh, we put a hole in the wall because people were drinking. Oh, we were drinking and the neighbors are mad because, you, you know, something happened or you threw a rager when we yeah. told you not to. It's you can do whatever you want, but if you get one mistake and it's the keys are back no yeah. problem you're it's all good we're, we're not even getting mad just don't ask to go again so did you have any example do you have any examples I mean, dude, of that proof oh i mean because they could say it right oh, like the, can you, you got any good examples i, I would of say that proof i mean where you that, that to, was the truth i mean the thing is is i think you learn how to have opportunities you know we i mean we went up there and had a good time as kids and you know i mean obviously Drinking was always something that was around with friends, and right. and it's just one of those things that you learn. I mean, dude, at a young, you learn who your friends are yeah. quicker, right? And like, you pay attention to, hey, you can no, you're not coming. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, and I, I would say that myself, like, I never wanted to throw away an opportunity, and like, so I, I was careful on things because I'm, I'm, a, I'm an adventurous, right? I want to go every weekend. Yeah, I want to travel. Like, I want to go. If my parents didn't go, like, I'm going. Like, that's awesome. And I would say, but. The biggest thing is, like, I always put myself in that, even my, my kids, right, it's like, hey, you can do whatever you want. You mess up once, I'm just going to take it away, and you're going to see what it's like to not have it. Mm. And, I, and I feel that by doing it that way, like, well, you're giving me, so I can do whatever I want. Right. As long, it, here's the rules. I can do whatever I want those rules and around it. As long as I, if I don't mess up, I can keep doing it. If yeah. I mess up, you're just going to take it all away, right? And it's like, 
okay, well then I'm going to live. Like, I don't want to be one of those parents. Like, you can't do anything. It's like. So commitment, boundaries, yeah, they yep, set boundaries, boundaries. Absolutely. Anything else that you feel your parents, your grandparents uh, really impressed upon you? I mean, those are two major ones. You know, I, I don't like, to me, I, I would always say that, and it's hard because certain times, but I mean, I always say family first. Yeah. You know, like to, to there's certain situations, right? We had the girlfriends and like that wanted you to go away, you know, they didn't like your parents or, you know, you had friends that didn't like hanging out with your brother and, or, you know, hanging out with my brother. And I would say that one thing that always, you know, family is always first, no matter what. And especially when I get older, looking back, like I'm, I'm blessed that my parents are married. My grandparents were married. Um, I'm, I'm married. And to me that the knowing of like the foundation, like I'll do whatever I can. I mean, obviously nothing's ever perfect at home. And like, but I would say that my wife and I have a great relationship. We're always growing together. And my dad and my mom, same. They work together. Um, but being around your family in, in tough situations, when things go wrong with that girlfriend and, like, all of a sudden a friend that you thought was the coolest guy in the world and, yeah. like, he told you to disrespect your parents and do something that you did. And all of a sudden it's, like, six months later they do something that gets them in trouble and they can't handle it. You're like, man, that really, like, thank God I didn't do yeah. anything to jeopardize putting myself in a situation that my parents would, you know, split off from what I wanted to do. Right. And it's big. That's major. So, and like, I feel that, you know, like just having that, the family, like, I don't know. I, I to me, just family is always number one. Right. And it's hard because dude, we work together and I, I work with my brother now and my dad works with his brothers yeah. and there's always, there's always confrontation in, at heart. But I think with family, like Having them as a foundation, as the backbone, right. oh man, it, I just feel that so much more is conquerable having them behind you than, than next to you. That's awesome, man. I love that. So let's fast forward then. Let's go back to, to where we left off in, in that breakthrough moment, 2008, 2009, you get the deal. The monster deal happens. How does that change your life? Oh, so right then and there, now like all of a sudden the contract comes in and for me, at the same time, uh, at the same time in 2010, uh, focused all my efforts. I hired a trainer. I'm, I mean, I lived it. It's crazy the up and down. I lived. All right, they gave me the money. I'm gonna do whatever it takes to go win the win races and win championships. And I focused all efforts on that. And like, dude, went out and yeah, I got the deal in eight, nine. Learned, built the foundation. 2010. Went out, I won almost every race, podiumed everything, wow. won the championship. How many races did you win in 2010? Uh, we won like, uh, I think we raced 16 times and won, I think, nine or 10 events and podiumed the rest. Like, we had a, I mean, a phenomenal year. We wow. killed it. My team killed it. We won the championship. And, uh, dude, it was just amazing. We literally did everything we set out for. Yeah. But at the same time, like, I learned some, there were so many things that I learned because get done at the end of the year and monsters over here going, like, dude, killer we love everything you're doing but at the same time like other sponsors are going like yeah but uh, we really need you to be more out in the public eye and it's like what, the, what do you mean like i did everything you wanted me to do i won every race and it's yeah. like okay you raced nine weekends out of the year but now you know we just feel that i don't know we we need you to do more and like they like stabbed me in the heart i'm like i hired a trainer i was right. i was riding i was riding road bikes and racing crits and i, I mean I was literally riding 250 miles a week. I was riding gnarly in training and like. And what they were talking about they, was it more about branding it was and things bra- like it was that. Li- well, what it was, what Lifestyle. it was, was it was like 
it was at the time before lifestyle was becoming important. But where it was at, it was at the beginning of it. We're all saying it was like, Casey, there's 40 other weekends a year that you're not doing anything. Mm. Okay, well, what do you mean? So now, now social, it's 2010, social's not that big. Right. It's not, you know, there's not numbers and, you know, statistics going, we need you to do more. It's like, all right, well, I'm doing all these things, but it's not like, so all of a sudden in 2011, dude, it was just an odd year for me. And like, I went and tried to race more and like just burnt my team out because they're, it's not, it wasn't working. And 2012, I built a race truck that looked like the Jeep. Okay. So now it was Nissan. Nissan went away. I built a race truck that looked like a Jeep. This is where my, this is where my career changed. 12, built this race car, looked like a Jeep. Now I build a Jeep. Well, now all of a sudden companies are calling me, hey, we've been wanting to get on television in racing for years, but we've never had a way because we don't make product for Ford, Nissan, or Chevy, which is every truck manufacturer. Hmm. So now I'm like, you mean car manufacturers were hitting you up? No. So I had I had no car ma- – all the aftermarket companies. Okay. So aftermarket is booming now. Now the economy is on its way back up. And here we are, 2012, 13, 14. These companies are like, hey, we don't make parts for Jeep. But, you know, Ford, Nissan, and Chevy, there's – in the field of 30, there's – I mean – 19 of them at the, are, you know, are at the field of 30, 28 of them are all Ford, Nissan, and Chevy. Wow. So, you know, the, the field is scattered. You can't really do anything. And then all of a sudden I build this Jeep and they're going like, hey, we have no, we can't do anything with these guys. We want to do something with your Jeep race truck. Here I am going like, yeah, I can. I'll and that a- came because you built your own? I built my own. Okay. Then I built my own because Nissan went away and like, I was like, I ain't going to. I'm not going to run no Nissan body for free. And right. that doesn't really work for me. And then after that, I built a Jeep, like the one outside. Yeah. I built one mediocre to that. At the time, obviously, I didn't have the same funds I do now. And, but I built a Jeep. And then I went to SEMA with it. And, like, go to SEMA. And people are like, dude, you race a Jeep. You own a Jeep. At the time, I had no products. So I put on all these products. And now I got companies going like, hey, we want to give you free product. Yeah. It's like, you're going to give me free product, not only for my race, for my Jeep, like something that I can... Turn around and sell? Like, yeah. okay. So then I'm like, boom, sit there and turn around. I sell a Jeep. I make, I'm like, dude, I made money. I bought a Jeep. Right. Drove the Jeep for a year, upgraded it, pimped it out, and then I'm, I, set, I turn around making money on this. So now how many different products, how many different companies did, did it take to create that Jeep that you have? Uh, I have, I mean, there's probably 20 companies that got involved. At the time, there's less now because now I'm making some more of my own product. Right. But at the time, I would say easily do 20 different companies were interested mm. in doing more and more and more. So that innovative thinking that you had in 2011, 2012 of I'm going to make my own Jeep. Yeah. And when you think about it, the, 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 the insight for the listeners to have is that why did you have to create your own Jeep in the beginning? Well, it's because you lost you lost something. Yeah. And I, man, if there's one thing that I, I do my best to encourage people to do is to always look for the breakthrough and the breakdown. It's always there. It's always there. We just have to look for it. Yeah, I, I, I totally agree. And the biggest thing I'd say for myself is like, I'm one of those people that ne- I'm never, I never want to get to the end of a year and go, man, I did the same thing I did the last three years and I'm, I'm content. Yeah. It's like, is content good enough is looking into the future going, 
is this what I want to do when, when I'm 50 years old? Like, I don't want to get in a situation yeah. that, you know, you miss a bubble because you're content, right? Like, I like putting myself out and, like, I listen, right? I, you know, like, myself and being in racing, I get to be around a lot of different companies and a lot of different industries, right? Monster Energy yeah. is an energy drink company. I got, you know, Nitto Tires is a tire company that, I mean, racing off-road is, I mean, two percent of their overall company wow they're after i mean they're a car they sell tires for cars for you know for trucks for jeeps for all these other things so you hear what the what the economy is doing and what the car manufacturers are doing and like i listen to all that and like you ever you know when i can i sit there and study the internet on you know where the markets are going and like i always try to put myself in man okay like how do i be one step ahead of my competitors and then put myself in a situation that if they come to me going, Casey, you know, for example, is like monster will do things. And then like, they'll do something a year before the car manufacturers or car aftermarket manufacturers. And they'll, I'll get a manufacturer coming to me and go like, or aftermarket manufacturer coming to me and go like, man, next year we want to do more lifestyle. And it's like, Oh, well I'm already doing what you're looking, what you're proposing right. for all your athletes. I did that last year. Yeah. Oh, well, like, yeah, well, we should do more with you. Right. It's like, okay, like. So 2012, 2013 occurs, and you have all these other more companies than the average oh, racer absolutely. approaching you. And how does that change what you're up to 13, 14, 15, besides more sponsorship so money now, coming in? So now we start going, well, I want to race more. Now it's like, so while the economy is changing throughout 13, 14, 15, 16 at the same time racing is changing and now companies are going well you know what you've done and what you've built your foundation on is short course off-road truck racing but at the same time you know more people are going down to Baja again yeah right? the the boundaries you know the safety thing is kind of getting it's mellowing uh, out it's mellowing out like people want to go and, and live a little and now in 16 people are going like hey you know in 13, 14, 15, all oh, the stadiums for, were filling up, right? In summertime, the stadiums were full of people. Well, now all of a sudden, 16, hey, the stadiums aren't filling up. Why is that? You know, me being myself, like, why, why is it? Wait a minute. If it's 75 degrees, summertime, my hobbies are adventure and lifestyle. Do I want to take my family and sit in the grandstands? Right. Or do I want to go drive my Jeep down to Baja, out to the desert, camp and enjoy my time yeah dude i'm going out why why spend 200 dollars to go buy tickets and buy hot dogs right. and be in a stadium when i can go down to baja and i can camp and we can bring our buddies and we'll go drive and we're gonna have a great time when well, i think too right the exposure to it through social media um, you're seeing when else would we have known i knew about the bot about the baja 1000 because in the mid uh, in the early 90s, every single year, uh, my, my grandfather, he was a pastor, and so he'd want to go visit the missions. So we'd start, obviously, in TJ, go through Ensenada, San Felipe, and we'd go all the way, almost 1,000 miles in, um, to a, a, a pocket called Mulahe and there. Loretto. Been there. And so we would, we, we, there'd be so many times where we were traveling, and the Baja 1000 would be going through. But if, you know, how else does the rest of the world know about that? Did the Baja 1000 just massively get larger over the last couple of years? I would say the Baja 1000, it's not that the racers, it's gotten more popular. There's not a lot more racers, I guess, as far as car count goes. Because how many racers? Uh, 300 and 
fifty, I think, just raced the ball in thousand. Three hundred and fifty racers. Is that three hundred and fifty different teams? That's teams. Three hundred and fifty different teams. Yeah. And how many people are usually on a team? So I would say on average probably fifteen to twenty people per team. And when did you do the Baja one thousand for the first time? So I've done the ball like when we were younger, I, my dad being the you know, owning the car and stuff, we've done the ball a couple times when I was sixteen, seventeen years okay. old. I raced it um in a slower class vehicle and had some fun. But actually the first time was 2016 is the first time I did it as my, as the as team owner, team. my own driver. Casey Curry. So yeah, that's right. So it, it, I mean, it's only my third ball 1000. Yeah. And, and what, how'd you do on your first we, one? First one we finished, I think 12th. And okay. I mean, it was a learning experience from all hell. <laughs> I mean, learning, learning. And then I've won the last two. Two so, years yeah, in a row. Yeah, two years in a row we've won. Undefeated. So, yeah, undefeated. Yeah, oh. Right now, it's been good. But How like, common is that for the same team to oh, win? Uh, not very. Wow. So not very. It, I Why mean, did you win? Uh, preparation. Okay. I would say uh, preparation, I mean, just mindset, everything we do, the focus around it, um, and really just a great team of people. Any practices besides what you guys already have, whatever, what, what, what the listeners are already learning about you, it's the, the foundation, the family, the focus, the preparation. How about like taking a, a, a look into your, your actual pre-practices? Is there anything that you and your crew were doing? So we, one thing that I'm very unique is that I do, I race, this year alone I've raced six different vehicles okay. of all sorts, meaning we're not talking like, oh, one's blue, one's red. We're right. talking one is meant for, you know, going over to the car. Yeah. In, I mean, I raced in Africa on a car that was custom made for racing in Africa. It is nothing like any car that we race in Baja or in the United States. Wow. So then now, I mean, to diverse that, I go and race this event called King of the Hammers out in Johnson Valley, California, gnarly rocks the hardest rock race in the world and like we race in the pro class there and i race in a utv class in two vehicles that are completely custom made for that event then we go to baja we race in a completely different vehicle where do you go the fastest at on the dirt baja baja how baja. fast are you going uh, like 120 miles an hour wide Ooh. open in the dirt in the dirt in the dust can't i mean it, yeah it's that but i mean going back to all that what we what skills us is the fact that we do so much that we never look at something the same way. Yeah. Right. Where one guy might race the same truck against the same competitors right. all year. Dude, we'll come from another race in Portugal. Yeah. And go like, okay, just because they're all doing it, we need to do it differently. And so it's can, your 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 arsenal of so many different strategies absolutely. and tactics through through the, the, the instrument that you're using and, and, and it being so varied. Absolutely. I mean, just teams, people, strategy. You learn going around the world. I mean, people get – we live in California. I, I'm blessed. I live in Southern California. Yeah. It's 75 degrees year-round. Within an hour and a half, I can go to basically sand, rocks, desert. I mean, we have so much opportunity to test and tune. So we get into this – comfort zone of like this is how we do it right this is what we're doing all of a sudden you go to africa and to go race there and these guys are like we spend fifty thousand dollars to come here for this one week you're like whoa no 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 that's a two hour what we're testing is a two-hour drive right yeah so now you're going like well if you're spending that much what are you doing oh well we study shocks and engine and clutching totally different because we only have one shot at this so we'll take this and we'll hire engineers from around the world 
to come out and what I'll spend, you know, 20% effort on going testing as far as like on that one thing. They're like, we got to spend 120% because this is our one shot to wow. test the whole year. So you're like, okay, so what do you do? And now all of a sudden they tell you their breakdown and you're like, oh, dude, if I took that and put that in California standards and in what offered racing, 90% of offered racing is in SoCal, you're like, dude, we could, we could take that and take our program one step further. Yeah, that's big. And it's, I mean, then I feel like, man, that is what's so crazy is like, there's people that don't have this luxury of like the weather we have, right? Yeah. There's, it snows on the East Coast and they don't have open desert. And now if you take what they have and, and take their skills and their mindsets and their opportunities and fine tune that for what we can just go do on the daily. Oh, I mean, it's opened up all kinds of different skill sets that have really improved my team and myself that's awesome man so baja 1000 now two years in a <laughs> row yeah dakar is like have you you raced in dakar before i have never like why is it so, why is it known as such a gnarly race because we just raced the baja 1000 and now in january in over 10 days i'm gonna drive 5,000 kilometers i'm gonna drive close to 3,000 miles in 10 days, I'm going to drive basically uh, nine Baja 500s back to back to back. So what we <laughs> what we do here, right? What we do here in Baja is... How many people are racing that? Uh, there's 450 entrants there. And the difference is, is here in Baja, a lot of these teams here are wealthy people that want to do and spend the money okay. and go down and have a great time here. It's like, okay, by the way, the top 25 competitors are making 250 grand a year. This is their full-time job. Their co-driver, this is their full-time job. They've done nine different events throughout the year. Everything is focused. So it's They've, the best oh, of the best. The, I mean, this Whereas is it. people in Baja 1000, they're competitive, there, but there's some there's, people there's, hanging. There's five to 10 guys in Baja that do it for a living and the rest are doing it as a hobby. Five to 10 five to, do it for a probably, living. I'd say... Total, let's get crazy. Ten people. Ten people. Make a living and, in Baja. And in Dakar. Oh, there's there's 40 or 50 oh, people doing it full time. From I, all over the world. From all over the world. The best What do you best. win for the Baja 1000? Oh, like $1,000 and a plastic <laughs> trophy. Nothing. I mean. <laughs> That's you, awesome. Yeah, And nothing. then what do you win for Dakar? Dakar. Oh, I think, there, I think there, I think there's a bigger purse of like. It's still only probably twenty five or but thirty. But so it's not about it's that. It's not about that. No. Wow, that's amazing, man. So no, but it, you. That's why though that Dakar is the hardest off road race because it's the players. Oh, dude! I mean, to go race for to drive, you're basically gonna drive an average of five to seven hundred miles a day for ten days in a row. Oh, and mind you, four hundred miles of that is in a race, and three hundred miles might be on the highway. Mm. Where every second, if you're driving. There's a rule, meaning, hey, get on that highway, get on highway five and drive 35 miles an hour. Oh, and if you do 36 miles an hour for one second, it's a one minute penalty. Uh, oh, one minute wow. penalty. So there's, you don't get comfortable. So for the listeners, where do we, where do we watch this race? So Dakar.com. Uh, you can go see all that stuff uh, on my website. It's on my Instagram, Casey okay. Curry. You know, hashtag Casey Curry. What can we expect from the Casey Curry team Dude, at the I mean, Dakar race? I mean, I want to win. Uh, I want to do whatever it takes. We've been studying. Uh, I mean, I've done a couple events. I actually just won, I won the last event we just did okay. uh, in Peru. Uh, but, I mean, we're going to go to finish. I've, an American has never won it. Oh, man. We're so, voting for you. Right? We're so for an you, American dude. has never won Dakar, uh, and I want to do whatever it takes to win. I mean... Some of the best drivers in the world have tried, and I feel like where we're going in 2000, 
19 yeah. is the perfect year for the opportunity to win. Awesome, so, man. And why is that? Uh, it's 70% sand dunes. It's okay. the biggest sand dunes in the world. And uh, how I grew up, once again, how I grew up, what the vehicles that I drove as a kid with my dad and my grandpa, dude, it just all of a sudden I get into sand dunes and I feel at home. And I feel that when I'm at home, my comfort level, where I am as a person, I just feel the confidence is there to, to drive these crazy two-mile-high sand dunes. And I just feel at home. And, like, you know, and that confidence, I feel, is where I – it's, it's going to win. It's going to be in confidence. It's dropping over that sand dune and knowing that you have the confidence to get over the next one and next one and next one for 10 days. That's awesome, brother. Well, we're going to be rooting for you. Thank you. And so now you're and you got your own family now, right? Married. Married. Only been married. I'm, I'm I'm been married for this going on six years in three days. And you Wait, got, no, tomorrow, December twelve on twelve. <laughs> tomorrow, I got, I got it's anniversary time. Ready to go shopping? 12, yeah, twelve on twelve. We got married. That's awesome, dude. That's incredible. And you got two little ones. I got two little boys. I got a four. I, well, I got a. Yeah, three-year-old and a five-year-old. And do you see yourself impressing those same pillars that you were taught? Commitment, right? A absolutely. Uh, Boundaries. Every, everything that we learned, you know, my biggest thing is enjoyment of life. I want them to, I want them to be their own boys. Like, or, you know, I don't want anyone to ever be like, man, you, you pressure them into riding motorcycles and sure. driving race trucks and so dangerous. And it's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. like my boys are crazy not I dude I I did not sign up I signed up for tennis and golf and piano and I got like dude my my son learned how to ride a dirt bike at three and I built him this crazy jeep that's meant for a 16 year old yeah. and he can drive it like by himself and I gave him the the foundation and it, right. I, look here it is if, if you want I'll teach you if not let's go inside and you know and he knows how to drive it he's got crazy skill set but once again if he doesn't want to ride, let's go home. Let, I have, dude, I don't want to do anything you don't want to do. That's cool. I'm, I'm, but at the, you know, I, I want, at the same time, I don't want to be like, oh man, I didn't give him the opportunity to do what he wanted. And here he is at 16 years yeah. old. And so whatever he wants to do, like, I mean, he did We're he's, you know, we've done skateboard camps. We do gymnastics, we do Taekwondo. And, you know, like my thing is just like I grew up. I want him to be well diverse when he is going into high school. I don't ever want there to be a thing that he's like, man, I never played baseball. I don't know how to ride a bike. I don't, you know, I don't know how to ride a skateboard. Like I want him to be able to go into any group of friends. And I feel that this is one thing that I'm good at and the older I get that I'm very blessed that like any group of friends I go with, I'm like, I can go to the beach and get on a surfboard. I might not be the best, but I, I know how to surf. Like, yeah. You want to go to Big Bear? Like, I can snowboard. I can snow ski. I can water ski. And, like, I know how to do things that a lot of the, you know, not when I mean, I'm in a unique, I race for a living. There's not a lot of friends that race at yeah. school, but like, I can go to a high school and pretty much do everything and not be the guy that's like, oh man, I'm going to have to sit and watch, right? And like, I want my sons to be the same way. I want them to be, if they want to go to the BMX track, Dude, here's a bike. You know how to ride. Go ahead and have fun with your friends. If you want to skateboard, go ahead. If you want to ride rollerblades, whatever it is, like, I want those skills to be set at a young age. So, like, when they turn 12, hey, Dad, I don't want to ride bikes. I want to ride skateboards. Hey, you, you're the one that chose it, not me. I didn't ever hide anything from you. I wanted you to be able to do anything you wanted to do. 
Yeah, so find your passion. Find your passion. I think that, dude, that's a hard thing today. It's like you hear so many parents like, oh, I want to get my kids inside and, or get them outside. And like this whole hashtag, get them outside. And, you know, there's kids that play video games like, man, my boy's five years old. I'm like, I would pay money to have him watch a movie. We're like, <laughs> I can't get him to sit down. Like, we, how do you get him inside? My, I mean, dude, our carpets are never clean because it's like, yeah. dude, they're riding their bicycles in the house. You know, you're like, oh, you live on nine acres. Yeah. Oh, yeah. We li- I got a motorcycle track in my house. That's like, sick, we're, we're like, I, you know, we do, I'm blessed in the aspect. And I live on the same property as my parents. Wow. And that was another thing that I, like, we didn't talk about is like, I grew up in a situation. My grandpa traded properties when he was younger and ended up with seven acres, divided it up. And built, gave each one of his kids an acre. And I ended up growing up with my house, next door neighbor, my uncle and my aunt. And, my, you know, and then my other next door neighbor, my uncle. Wow. My aunt, and at the top of the hill, grandma and grandpa. Wow. So I grew up from the time I w- we moved into our, that house when I was three years old. And we just, my dad actually just sold that property three years ago to buy this 10 acres. Yeah. To give us... Hey, here's two acres of your own. What an awesome legacy. So we grew up. I didn't, I never had grew up with random babysitters. I went up to grandma's house. I walked there and I could walk home anytime I wanted. We lived on a, I'm in almost a private street that my grandpa had built. And, uh, you know, we lived on this property where like I had all my cousins, you know, that's why I talk, I, I'm very open about like, dude, my cousins, like I'm probably, my brother works for me and we're, I mean, best friends and, you know, he, he likes to hustle and I'm obviously I'm crazy at hustle and my cousins, we, like, they're like what probably most people are brothers, right? Like, yeah. dude, I grew up seeing my cousins every single day. That's so cool. You know, man. now my cousins all have kids and I have kids. I mean, my, co- we're all, I mean, it's best friends, right? For Thanksgiving, our Thanksgiving was going out to the desert and driving Jeeps and UTVs and camping and all these now great grandkids are out there and dude, all How his kids sick. ride bikes and we have... I mean, there's six kids under five riding dirt bikes and bicycles and dude, they don't go to bed until, you know, we tell them they have to go inside because they got, I mean, out in front of the motorhomes, we've got bicycle jumps and, you know, RC cars and hot wheels. And, you know, it's just crazy because now we look at these people going like, I just want to get my kids outside. It's like, okay, I'm, you know, we're the opposite. How do we get them to go (laughs) sit down? I just want them to sit down for 30 minutes. Wow. What a legacy, dude. That is amazing. So yeah, it's cool. It, I mean, it definitely is cool. So let's say it's your final race, right? It's your final race and plastered on the side of your truck is your, your, your final message, the message that really represents Casey Curry. What do you think it says? I would say hustle brings opportunity. I mean, in reality, that to me, that's the only thing in this life that's going to get you anywhere is hustle. Like, I feel that if you... If you hustle in the right direction, if you put yourself out there, opportunity comes. I feel that I've, in my life, in everyone's li- everyone I know and all my friends, the people that want it, get it. It might not come easy. I, like, my life is not easy, right? I, I work a lot. I, I mean, but I enjoy working, but I work a lot. Yeah. And I travel way too much, right? I'm, I did 40 events last year, but one thing that I see is that if you want it, if there's... If that goal on top of your list, on number one goal is to do something with the right amount of hustle, it, it, it can be given to you. 
right? I just feel that you have to want it bad enough to sit there and say that I did everything possible to make that dream come true, right? And, I, and that's where I'm 35. I started, I mean, I started racing when I was five, but I gave it all my all. When I was 23 years old, I stopped snowboarding. I stopped going to the river. Yeah. I stopped everything. I, I didn't want to do anything yeah. to hurt my body. I didn't. So when you sit there and say, oh, well, you, are, you can do whatever you want. It's like, okay, but for 10 years, I didn't. I mean, now, last year, I, for X Games, to go do a deal with Monster was the first time I snowboarded since I was 23 years wow. old. It's like, <laughs> I went 10 years without ever yeah. going and enjoying what I love to do, right? I'm pa- I love snowboarding. Right. Like I grew up snowboarding. I could hit every rail, every jump, everywhere we went, Mammoth, Big Bear Summit. But now it's like for 10 years I had to I put all that aside to live this dream, right? And like I feel that it took that hustle and it took 10 years to get to where I'm at. Yeah. So now I feel like I'm at the, you know, now, I mean, I'm at the top. I'm going to go race the car in January. Like, how do you sit there and be like, this guy didn't do anything. He didn't, and I, no one paid for that ride. That ride was worked for. That's awesome, man. So, well, dude, I really appreciate you sharing the story. This was a highly inspiring, super enlightening to, to hear your, your really the, the, the foundation, so much of who you are. It's cool to really see where that came from and, to me, it, it, it inspires me, and I hope it inspires the listeners to realize that what we do here on our time on Earth, it's cool, it's important, but what it really has the, the opportunity to do for our family and for the future legacy, right? Like your grandfather really laid a foundation Absolutely. that poured into your dad, is pouring into you, you're pouring into your children. So... Any final words? Ah, oh, dude, I think the biggest thing for all listeners out there, even somebody like myself that feel that I'm, you know, as success, successful as I am, is like getting it. What's funny is I've listened to your podcast before even meeting you uh, in the men's group, and 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 really, what's funny is I went home like. I got to tell the story. I went home. You you had a story that you know you tell the men's group, and like deep down inside, I'm like. This guy at first didn't know anything about you, yeah. which come to find out, I've been listening to podcasts, you know, with you and Rob Beardick. Oh, that's drama. right, because we so, met, and yeah, then you didn't. Yeah, I didn't even right. know anything so about. So for the so, listeners, I actually met Casey. Well, I'm at a, a men's group at our at, at our church, and uh, he shows up one day, and and I'm talking, and then you it, you realize it there your that voice, you, yeah, I I I did, I, and literally was listening to your podcast, uh, and then come to find out all these podcasts and things that I've. Uh, I'm looking for myself to better myself, right? And to have somebody like yourself, like your stories hit home. The first time I met you in person, you sit there and you're telling a story that, you know, like I have, there are situations in my life that I always, in my head, oh, it's only because I'm a racer. It's only because I live in this bubble. And all of a sudden, the first story that comes (laughs) out of your mouth is like, whoa, this dude's a real estate guy. (laughs) And he, dude, he just hit home. Like he did something that I'm having a problem with right now. This was three years ago for him. It has, you had nothing to do with racing. And it's like, your story was like, dude, I left there. had called my wife. Like, I think I figured out part of my problem. Like, (laughs) dude, it's not, I mean, it's not a problem that like, it's just something that I've been digging into. And here you are in a totally different life and everything you're doing is so different, but your, your story dude, it hit home. I'm, I mean, you have. You have things that you've done in your life and the success that you have 
you have ability to help other people. And that yeah. to me, like, dude, to thank you for literally time one of listening to you speak, obviously not on the podcast. Right. And it was like, dude, home run. I learned something. This guy, you know what I mean? This guy more so now is like, he's lived through things that are struggles and, and now you're speaking about it. Cause yeah. to myself, like, dude, it's so easy to hide things. Yeah. And I think it's so easy to, and thank you for sharing that. I think it's so easy to, uh, want to portray this image like everything's filtered and looks perfect. Yes. You know, I, I was in breakdown two days ago, <laughs> and that's, that's called Wednesday, and yeah. Thursday was a breakthrough, and today was a little funky, and it's just, I think, the more authentic we can be with where we're at, you know, you gotta, you, you gotta reveal it to heal it. Yeah. And, you know, new, new levels, new devils, like I've reached a pinnacle in my career, and guess what? There's a whole bunch of new problems at this place <laughs> unless I stop. And as soon as we stop, you know, game's over. Yeah. I never want to stop. Yeah. I always want to continuously search and dig and, and keep it real with where I'm at. And that's something we always want to impress upon the listeners is like, if there's something you're battling, find some people that you look up to. Find a group of people that aren't going to make a joke about it. That will give you insight because I can promise you, whatever it is, there's a, a, a whole group of people who have been through it, and then you'll find a whole group of people who have actually written books on it. But you got to keep it real. Yeah. No, dude, you do you do a good job, man. I'm I'm pumped to be here because to me it's like this is one of those things. I'm like, dude, this guy invited me. He don't I don't even think he knows who I am. Like compared to your, the level that I feel you're at, yeah. like listening. So everyone, yeah, you're, you're listening to a great podcast. Thank you, man. Well, we search for, for the goats, the, the, the greatest of all time, you know, to, to accomplish what you've accomplished is one thing, but I think to, to, to lay the foundation and to continue the foundation that your grandfather left, that is just as inspiring of, of winning the Baja 1000 twice. Yeah, absolutely. So keep it up, dude. How do people follow you and, and stay in touch with you? Yeah, so you can find me on Instagram, you know, forward slash Casey Curry, uh, Insta uh, Facebook, Casey Curry, and then YouTube, Casey Curry as well. So literally, if anyone has any questions, hit me up. I'm a, we love adventure. I love lifestyle. I love living outdoors. You know, my family is the same way. So if anyone ever wants to get outside and, and live a little, hit me up. That's what I'm talking about. The opportunity is available for you. You just have to hustle. Project Mindset, episode eight. Casey Curry, we're out of here. Huge thanks to Casey Curry for coming on the show and absolutely crushing it. Can't wait to see and hear the, the feedback and the insights that you got from this episode. And I've got three questions for you. The number one question has to do with your foundation. What I took away the most from this interview was the, the power that the foundation that Casey was given from the time that he was born, which came from his father, which came from his grandfather. And it made me think a lot about the foundation of how I grew up. And I think that it, it's not so much about what happens to us, but it's about how we react to what happens. There's a, a, a interesting story. They say that almost 50% of every single president in America has had a close sibling that did serious time in prison. And when you ask the president how he became the president of the United States of America, he says, well, if you knew how I grew up, 
you'd understand why I'm the president. And then when you go to the sibling that has done time and maybe even still be in prison and you ask them, well, how did this happen? Your brother is president of America. They say, well, if you knew how, how I grew up, you'd understand why I'm here. So again, it, it's not about what happens to us, but it's about how we react to what happens. So the first question that I have for you has to do with your foundation. And it's whether positive or negative, what is the, the values that you've learned in your life? What is the, some of the core principles that you've learned in your life? I'd like you to take a moment. I'd like you to write down what are some of those core values that you've learned. Question number two. Are you living those values in your day-to-day life? And if you're not, what could you do so that those core values are alive and well in your everyday existence? So question number three. You're in the Baja 1000 now and it's your final race. What is your message that you have plastered along the side of your car? What is that one saying, that one motto that you want people to remember you by forever? And the even bigger question is, how are you leaving that message? How are you leaving that impression on the world every single day now? Because we all have the opportunity to, whether social media or just in our interactions with people on a day-to-day basis, know that the ability that you have to impact others by the way you live and the message that you give is alive and well every single day as long as you choose to share it. So I look forward to hearing more about what your message is to the world. I look forward to hearing more about what you may be getting from the messages we're giving to you. Please make sure you screenshot this, post it, share what the messages are that you're getting. What are you learning and how are you growing? So thanks again, as always. Thank you to my my co-partner in this, KP, for always doing what it takes to make sure we get these messages out to you guys. Stay focused. Stay inspired. Let's make it happen. I'll talk to you soon.